everyone. I am Reverend Sandy. And I am Reverend Jim. Welcome to Angel Talk Radio Live. Our show is sponsored by the Living Light Center at Church of Faith and Healing. For anyone interested, Jim and I do personal readings. And if you'd like to have a personal reading, you can call 304-567-3354 or email sandysangeltalk at aol.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-S. A-N-G-E-L-T-A-L-K at AOL.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Our show today is If God is for You, Then Who Can Be Against You? by Romans 8.31. And that is so true, Sandy. And, you know, there's no coincidence to the fact that today is our first show um, in, in, in this new location. And... It is so important that this be done today and that this information be given out. It is so, so important. I mean, does everybody know what today is? It's not just, you know, just a normal holiday. It is, it is Pentecost, and it falls on today. And a very long time ago when Pentecost occurred, the, it was the first time that the disciples of Christ had come out of their hiding and out of the buildings, and they gathered in the town square, and people from miles around came to hear what they had to say. And when they began to speak, what the amazing part was, it was like a mighty rushing wind that blew through everything and everyone. And all the cultures, all the different languages, all the different you know, peoples and towns and cities and those people that came to hear, they heard what was said in their own language, each and every one of them. And that shows you the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit has been a part of my life since I was a child. Oh, and mine too. Yes. And, you know, somebody once told me when I said, well, there's the Father and there's the Christ and there's, you know, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, and I said, and I believe that the Holy Spirit's feminine. And I was given a little piece by a friend, and he said, no, no, he said, when you use the term holy, he said, you're saying whole, whole spirit. So it's both masculine and feminine. She takes the light codes of the, of the creator, Father God's, and she pulls the perfect ones into herself, and she becomes impregnated with those codes. And she then rushes across the material realms, and she implants them where they need to be implanted to restore the health, the wealth, the, you know, all of the, the parts of nature that have been impacted because of, usually because of, you know, mankind's interference. But we won't show that today or, or try to list the judgment out there. But it's interesting if we know <clears throat> that the child universe sent out a cry for help. And the Holy Spirit responded. And the child part of, of our soul is, is located in our stomach area, stomach, solar plexus, right in that area. And it cries out, too, for help. And it has been heard also. And the key to that is that when it cries out, we should give it affection from the pineal gland and the pituitary gland. And they should secrete, you know, what is necessary to bring the child its comfort in the stomach area 
of our bodies. But instead, what do we do? We feed it instead of affection, we give it confection and sugar. And we wonder why we have the problems that we do. When you look at the geometria of, of the Father, it's 12, in the number 12. The Holy Spirit is 24. You see, it doubles because it's the 12 of the Father, and she becomes impregnated. Her number's 12 too, but it's, she becomes impregnated, which creates the 24. And then the birth of the Logos is 36. It combines them all. And you have the 72 sacred names. And that is the ladder that you must climb to reach the higher heavens, to reach and get out of this system of, of experimentation that we volunteered to come into so long ago. And it's just time that we do. And we cannot waste any more time doing it because it's so short. You have no idea how short. The, the child universe of ours was sent out a cry, and now the Father has responded. If we are to understand really why we are here, we must become like a child, and we must become and we must hear the cries of the child membrane. We must see ourselves in the stomach of the higher parent universe as a luminous, life-giving particle, which cries out, come help, come here, come love. The higher mind of the universe of the Father the parent universe sends back its light codes through the light channels in the same way that the human being sends biochemical energies of light down through his mind to his stomach. Hence, a new ultrastructure will exist by means of a new orbital relationship of light, which will support the atomic nucleus, causing biophysical and biochemical changes in the inner membrane's structure in a new hydrogen atomic relationship. It's the Holy Spirit's regeneration that does that. It changes extreme distortions of spherical symmetry found in some nuclei of atomic and subatomic particles to a perfected harmony with the consciousness programs of the Elohim, the creator gods. Such a regeneration, in effect, the work of the Shekinah universe for it allows for the direct coding of the divine image onto waveforms to shape the particles according to the sanctified image of the Creator God. It allows for life-giving transduction to qualify for the many rounds of spiritual existence in the infinite way. And so today is the day that we, we honor the Holy Spirit, and it is Holy Spirit, and I couldn't imagine being without it. It is just so important. And if you wish the gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing, even raising the dead, Jesus said, the things I do, you will do and more. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit taking up our life. And if you wish to be or have a father, mother, God, then you have to become the child. Otherwise, you have no need of a father, mother, God. And it's really that simple. It is. It truly is. It is a beautiful day, Pentecost, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. Well, there are, there are energy forces that are outside of our body, and then there are energy forces that are within us. But the true God energy forces are within us. So, as we consciously develop spiritually, we often start having occasions where we have a vision 
or maybe a feeling that's intuitive, or maybe we're hearing something or, or have an insight into the spiritual realm. Well, this awareness is a sign of embracing more of your higher consciousness. Our body is considered a sacred temple to God. And when you're open and receptive to the divine beings of light, you may be blessed with spiritual gifts that become active within you. Who wouldn't love to be able to heal, to be able to channel, to be able to be more, you know, empathic? Uh, The biblical verse, Know, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. From this, we realize that all forces are the essence of the one force. That's manifested here in the physical plane. But we must realize, as we, being a separate being, living here on this planet, we're meant to become aware of our connection to the one. You know, in the beginning, we may have been confused at first, but we begin to utilize the energies and forces by directing them with our mind. We become conscious of our abilities, but we must become conscious of our union with the forces, so not to misuse them for self-serving purposes. We all have the ability to channel to God, but may the God be the God of the host, the one, okay? The importance of understanding our oneness with God is with purpose, with time, and every effort we do, when we choose to be one with God through the light, we are shown the introspective influences in our physical realm. And when you choose to do everything alone, not much is gained, but when you're in the oneness of the all, then everything is offered to you. Our life manifested is energy and motion. It's the movement and impulses from the one. That brings life into being. Being aware, conscious in the material and in the mental and in the spiritual planes. The energies we call God can be as personal as anyone allows it to be. The spirit is in the image of the creative forces. And it seeks manifestation. So remember, the Lord thy God is one, and all power and forces emanate from this one source. This helps us understand ourselves and our abilities. So, be true to ourselves, and then we will not be false to anyone else. We're a manifestation of the energies we hold within us. They're made up of our beliefs and our experiences. We are made in the image of the Creator to be a companion, to be creative and constructive. But we are held to a material law that, as ye do it unto the least of thy brethren, of thy fellow man, you do it unto thy God, thy source of power, thy source of supply. Matthew twenty-five forty. So, what do we call life? It is God. In power, in might, an awareness of the strength needed to meet every problem day by day. The spiritual forces being the life, the active principle in spirit. Life in the material plane is the expression of the universal forces 
or the energy we call God. Life is the light. It's the truth. And God is the creative forces in our beingness. So when spirit manifests in a third-dimensional world, there are laws of materiality to be considered, which say that the material form is temporary and will not last forever. But our development is based on applying and understanding the universal laws. So as we utilize them, we develop more. Mentally, understanding the knowledge of the universe, as Jesus applied the law, he became equal with the law by becoming the law, having no doubts, no fear, and being selfless in God's purpose. This overcomes the law relating to materiality, even including gravity. But until we understand and apply this law, we'll be subject to the law of materiality. Well, remember the saying, as above, so below? The beginning of the law starts by being conceived in spirit. Then it develops in the mental and manifesting in the physical. They are all linked as part of the one. The gift God gave us was to be an individual soul and a choice to be one with him, to experience life and consciously realize your connection and oneness with the all. Being able to experience the attributes of the all, yet not being the all. A chance for your soul to grow. Grow spiritually back to all while living in the material world. So learning to overcome the obstacles by applying the universal laws. We were given free will so we could experience growth and gain knowledge to understand the truth and realize who we are and what it is we want to learn. It is our responsibility to move forward in life and accept that we are being held responsible for the laws of the universe. And if we apply them in our life, we are not attracting to ourselves so many unpleasant situations to have to deal with. Life offers you choice. But with choice, we can make the wrong choice and go down the wrong path. This then draws us situations to help us see our mistakes so we can correct them and bring our awareness back into alignment with the laws of love and light, offering us opportunities to become more spiritually aware. What we should aspire to is to grow spiritually and embrace our higher consciousness and be one with the all. Wow, that was pretty intense. Um, You know, it's interesting because the human body, the physical body, was not was not necessarily supposed to occur in this plane of existence. There was the soul and there was the spirit. And between them, creation could occur and it was in divine plan. But then the soul turned around, away from spirit, and it began to create on its own. And it began to create things that were not in divine plan. And, you know, I say all the time that, you know, our physical bodies, if it weren't for the fact that 
they cannot control, or it cannot control the heartbeat and the breathing, it would not believe that there was a higher power. But it cannot control those things. And so it has to believe, but there must be another, you know, something else out there that, that can control them, and therefore it is considered its God or its higher being. And so through the soul, you have the ability to command of the physical body what you want it to do. And if you're not sure of the discernment, here is one of the 72 sacred names of God, and it's called Kodoish, 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 and it's K-O-D-O-I-S-H. And it's said three times, and that is Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, Adonai, Sa, S-A, B-A-Y-O-T. Three separate words. And I'm giving them to you phonetically um, so that they're easier to, to remember. But it's Kodoish, 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 Adonai, Savayat. And even the beings of the highest, you know, seraphim angels and, and creator beings, they, they oftentimes will greet as a salutation each other with that, that sacred name. And nothing negative can stand in the space of the energies or the vibrations that you put out when you use it. One other one, and I'll, then I'll go move on, is Jesus gave to his disciples. They said, how will we know when we go out that someone doesn't have an agenda, you know, or doesn't want to trick us once we're in their homes because they tell us that they have dinner for us? And he said, here's how. He said, when you walk into the house, peace be unto this house. Simple words, peace be unto this house. And yet the vibration of those words, if there is an agenda, if someone is you know, has anything in the background that you can't see, trust me, it will appear and show itself within minutes. Oh, it will. I have used that many times. And it just breaks up any of the chaotic energies. Yep, in a, in a New York minute. Um, I, wanna, I want you to understand that the power that you have, it's being given to you. But for the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. The gifts of the Holy Spirit or the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And they are gifts. And I tell you, since I was a child, I would ask every day to the Holy Spirit, please grant me the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please grant them that I may use them in service to bring about the manifestation of my Creator into this physical plane. And I would do that every day. And I do it too, Jim. And when when it does flow through... It is such a powerful love energy. It will literally bring tears to your eyes. It's so pure. And yet, the first time that I remember it really being activated, um, well, a couple of times probably before that, but the biggest one was when I took the trip to um, West Africa. Um, You remember those emails you get that say that there was $1.5 million in a safe somewhere and you had to come up with the money for it being stored and you could take the money out. Well, I got a phone call, and I just happened to have some friends in government. You know, one of them was a, a uh, Fulbright colonel. And so I called him up, and I said, do you know anything about that? And he said, let me get back to you. And he called me back a few minutes later, and he said, hey, he said, guess what? We're headed to Africa. And I said, well, <laughs> now, wait a minute. What are, what are you saying? Are you saying that it's, a, it's correct that there is money over there? And he said, I'm just saying we're headed to Africa. 
He said, so get your, get your bag packed and, and, you know, and we'll go. So I got ready, got my bag packed, got ready for Africa. I'd never been there. I didn't even have a passport. And I told him so. And he said, well, Jimmy said, I've got an appointment for you on Monday. He said, you know, at 3.30, come down at 3.30 to the passport office in Washington, and we'll get a passport down. I've got an appointment for you. He said, no, it won't be a problem at all. I said, you sure? He said, no problem at all. So I show up at 3.30. He shows up at 3.30. The place is dark. <laughs> There's not a light bulb on in the place. I mean, they, everybody's gone home. And so he, he knocks on the window. You know, pretty soon a security guard comes. And she opens the door and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. She goes, but we, we're closed. We're not issuing any passports at this time of the day. Sorry. He said, no, no. He said, if you could just give me a chance. She goes, I'm telling you, nobody's getting a passport today. And he said, hey, Jim, he said, I left something on the front seat of the car. Can you get that and bring it up here? So, sure. No problem at all. I went down there, got what was on the front seat of the car, brought it back up. He was inside. <laughs> he was already inside. You know, he was talking and laughing and joking with the security guard, which was a woman. And she let us in. And... He didn't really need what I had, but he just needed to be able to talk some things that he didn't want me to hear. So that was fine. I got in. We both went up to the desk. Out comes this little old lady. And she goes, who are you? And she goes, and what are you doing here? She goes, there's nobody getting a passport today. And she goes, where do you, where you think you're even going to? And the guy I was with, I'm going to call him Joe. He said, well, we're going to West Africa. She goes, you know, there's prostitutes over there. <laughs> and I looked at I looked at, looked at him and I just kind of smiled, you know. And she goes, "So I'm not giving out passports. We're closed." And he said, "Here, let me give you this." He gave her a piece of paper with a number. He said, "Just make a call." She goes, "I'm telling you." And you know, there are prostitutes over there. <laughs> I looked at Joe and I said, "I think you can have to sleep with this old lady to get a, get me a passport." And you know, he just kind of looked at me like that ain't happening. So she went in the back and she called me the phone call. She comes back out a minute or so later, and she goes, do you have all your paperwork ready? <laughs> and I said, well, yes, I do. And she, she, I handed it to her. She took it in her hands, and she looked at it, and she goes, give me just a second. And I mean, she was crusty. I mean, but to the back she went. The lights were still off, but she, into the back she went. When she came back out, she said, step over here and get your picture taken. She goes in, and I'll have your passport in a few minutes. And she did. And I thought, you know, I'm not sure what is going to occur on this trip, but it's already, you know, something that is beyond my comprehension at that moment. So, you know, we took off flying, and that was the day, I think, of the election when George Bush won, uh, baby Bush, um, over, um, you know, his opponent, his Democratic opponent. And, you know, it was that night on the plane that they announced that George Bush had won baby Bush. And, and it was funny because, you know, I looked at him and I said, you voted in Florida. And he goes, yeah. And I said, but you don't live there. You live in Maryland. <laughs> he said so. He said all personnel were required to um, vote in, in Florida this, you know, on this election. <laughs> I thought, well, doesn't that just make sense? So we kept on flying. You know, we got to Paris halfway, got off. Um, the airport, and took a train down to the center of Paris. And I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think you could do this without a, without a, uh, a visa. He said, don't worry about it. You're taken care of. So, you know, we got 
down there and ate lunch and left, took off again, ended up in West Africa. When we got there, there had been an, an, a violent eruption, and there was martial law in place. And just to get to the hotel, I had to step over dead bodies. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, you know, this, this is not anything I had even thought of, but I had to step over dead bodies just to get to the hotel. And so, you know, like I said, it was, it was martial law. And I was told you didn't want to go out anywhere because, you know, you could end up being on the wrong end of things. And what they had done was, for technical reasons, they uprooted the elected president and they were installing a Western-backed president in his place. And so, again, there were dead bodies in the streets. And so the guy I was with, again, he was a Fulbright colonel, and he said... Uh, he opened up the phone book, which was huge, and he said, he said, pick out a, a place where we can go have a drink. I said, any place? He said, any place. And so I turned my head away, and I just stuck my finger on the book. And he looked down at it, and he said, that's where you want to go? I said, I didn't say I wanted to go there. You told me to pick a place. He said, okay. So we went there. M16s, the bodyguards <laughs> at the entrance had, you know, just to get into the place, and that was every place. And we went in, sat down at, at, you know, at the bar, and I mean, right away, two girls come up and they started hitting on him hard. And they seemed to leave me alone, you know. I said, okay. And he just kind of brushed them off. Then they sent two more over. And then I said, maybe we should leave. He said, okay, I'm ready. So we got up. You could tell they didn't like it. But we got up and we went out through the front door, got onto the sidewalk. Our taxi cab was supposed to have waited for us. It did not. So we started down, down the sidewalk, and two guys come out of the bushes, and they both had guns. And you could tell that they were following us. And, you know, we started moving faster, they started moving faster. We started moving faster, they started moving faster. And you could tell that Joe was not real comfortable with the fact of who these guys were. And he should have been, considering who he was. But, you know, I said, follow me. And I went down these little set of stairs, three or four stairs, and there was a glass door there, and I opened it up, and we went in and around through it and to the front of a hotel. Now, there are no unlocked doors in, in Cote d'Ivoire, you know, West Africa. There are, no, there are no unlocked doors after dark. But those were unlocked. They just happened to be unlocked. And he looked at me, and he said, how did you know those doors were going to be unlocked? I said, I didn't. But <laughs> I just, just opened them. He said, right. I hear you. So we went back to our hotel, and we had to take our um, interpreter, because it's a French-speaking country, home. She lived in a slum. And when I say a slum, I mean, you know, tin, you know, pounded onto wood. I mean, and nothing else really except you opened the door, and inside was a mattress. But there wasn't any, any uh, um, water. There wasn't any bathrooms. It was just a shack. And in the shack was laying on the bed a baby. And she was the aunt, but the mother was standing there too. And I said, could I hold the baby? And she goes, oh, no, nobody holds the baby. The baby will not let itself be held by anyone except the mother. It will kick. It will scream. I mean, it will go off for anybody. And I said, could I try? Uh, she goes, you know. It's your funeral. Go ahead. <laughs> and so I picked up the baby, 
And the first thing that happened was our foreheads touched. And we held that there for a couple of minutes. And then he, we both put our heads back, and I looked into his eyes. And it was like looking into the nighttime sky that was forever. I mean, it was lasted forever. And the baby was only four months old. But oh, what an incredible thing, an incredible thing to find or to be able to have the opportunity to be in the presence of this child. And I looked the child over. He had some very unusual markings. I won't tell you what they all were, but he had a rope wrapped around the right ankle, which was a birthmark, but it looked just like a rope. It had a little, little where it was tied and everything. But it showed that the baby will become the anchor for the entire continent of Africa in the future. And it now is the future. That baby should be right around 21, I would figure, because it was four months old then. So, you know, we left the baby. We had to, you know, get back to the hotel. We went back to the hotel, and it was really interesting because all of a sudden the phone rang. And it was the chief of staff for the vice president of Liberia. Now, we were in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, but, but this vice president um, of Liberia was in town for a medical test, it was said, and he had rented out the entire hotel, I mean, multi-story hotel, for, you know, for him and, and the people with him. And they wanted to know if I could come down the next day and meet with the vice president. Well, I learned a long time ago, don't question things that occur, you know, that you can just see the hand of God in. Because they don't make sense, you just flow, you go with the flow. And so, you know, me and the colonel both, ended up down at the hotel the next morning, and we were taken through security, and we met the chief of staff, and then we were let into a pretty good-sized room, and it had a round table in it. And there were two empty chairs, well, actually three empty chairs, but two empty chairs on the one side. And, and um, Joe, the uh, Fulberg colonel, he sat in the back chair. I sat in the front chair. Now, not knowing who was going to be where, but all of a sudden the door opens up at the end of the room. In walks the vice president of Liberia. I mean a commanding man. You knew you were in, without a doubt, the presence of a vice president. I mean, he walks over. I stand up. You know, Joe stands up. Everybody stands up. And he puts out his hand and we shake his hand. I mean, oh, my golly, I could just feel it. It was just like it filled the room. There was no doubt about it. This meeting was meant to occur. I just didn't know all of the pieces. And most times you probably won't. And they can be little things. This was a big thing. But you know what? Don't ever think that you can't do that too. If you follow the little things, God will give you the opportunities for the big things. And so I sit down. Vice President sits down. We start talking. I give him my ideas because they have four growing seasons in Africa, but most of the produce, it rots on the ground because they can't export it. It gets stolen at the, at the border. So I told him about wind power, that you could do a wind turbine, one wind turbine on each end of a building, you know, for cold, cold press. I said, and there's a way now that you can take and run juices or even water through a nozzle into as big a tank as you want and hit it with ozone and then 
Well, on top of that, you put nitrogen. And as you fill up the tank, it, you leave a little room at the top for the nitrogen. And that will stay good for 10 years. You could even tap the tank, and it doesn't matter. The nitrogen will ex- expand, and it will keep everything good. And so I, I told him about that. And you could tell he was interested. He said, do you want to do business in my country? And I said, more than likely. He said, well, here's what you've got to do. And he hands me his business card. And on the back of it, he writes his home phone number and his cell phone. He said, you call me. You tell me what you want to do. And I call the, the individual in charge of that department. He said, and I say, do it. He said, that's the red tape you have to go through. I thought, okay. And, again, you know, I've got the baby there on my, on my knee because the mother had come into the room and handed me that baby. So that baby's on my knee, and you can tell he's looking at that baby. All of a sudden, the phone rings. It is the president of Liberia, and who is now, I think, probably in, you know, in a world prison. I believe um, that you know, he was found guilty of war crimes. But the vice president wasn't. And I told him, I said, you will become president for a short period. I said, and you will install... A, a new democracy. I said that with integrity. I said, and no bloodshed. I said, and not only that, I said, but, but you will be the first person that helps to bring about the election of a woman and the first female into the presidency of a West African country. He didn't say too much. He just kind of looked at me and thank you for that, you know. And I thought, why, where'd that come from? Why did I just tell this man these things that have never occurred? But we talked a little while longer. And again, you know, he had taken the phone call from the president and they had talked, but you could tell they were talking about that baby. And I still didn't know how the pieces fit. So finally he gets up and he says, remember, call me. He said, you got, you got all the numbers. You got no excuse not to call. Yes, sir. And he leaves the room, and I walk outside into the hallway, and there's the mother. And I said, okay. I still got the baby in my arms, and I said, okay, give it to me. What, you know, what's playing out here, and what about the baby is that special? I mean, I know in myself what I believe is special about the baby, but, you know, evidently there's more. She goes, when the baby was born, it was born at the exact moment that the former vice president died. And the baby was a cousin to that former vice president and also the one that I talked to that day. And she said, and he was being hidden in that slum, taken out of Ivory Coast, I'm sorry, out of Liberia, and placed in that slum in Cote d'Ivoire and for safety, because they believed that if, Certain people knew about him and his whereabouts that they would make sure they could take him out because that's how much power they believed that baby was going to exert the future. And so I thought, well, that makes sense. So for the next few days, I got to spend it with the baby. That was just the most amazing thing, to be able to, you know, be around that child and know that, that truth and justice was what that baby stood for. And it was going to change. It was going to change the countries of Africa, and I had also established um, communication between the United States and Liberia, which had dropped, and we didn't have even have an embassy there at the time in Liberia because of the civil war there over diamonds and gold and the rest of it, 
but but I was able to establish communications. And then the guy I was with, Joe, the Fulbright Colonel, he was able to, you know, take that even farther. And it reestablished those communication links. And those were important because the country of Liberia was really um, founded off of escaped slaves from the United States. And there needed to be a healing. And there needed to be a working together. And when that child comes to the forefront, you know, even now, I think that people are allowed to dig their own gold. You know, no longer is used to be, if you got caught digging for gold, they'd kill you. They'd shoot you right there. So I think that they're allowed to now, you know, and that in and of itself right, raises the poverty level from, you know, I can't find something to eat to here I have in front of me, you know, a piece of gold that I was able to dig to find. And so, you know, having been able to spend the time with the baby and the mother telling me, you know, what she could, but what I also ascertained from holding the baby and looking at the special markings, there were several special markings on that baby. And being able to do that um, was, I mean, beyond what I can even begin to tell you. So, you know, we did have some other things. I walked into a mall, and I walked up a set of steps that were just there. I don't know why, but I walked up the steps, and when I got to the top, I walked into an open room that was the entire mall, and there was computer banks, solid computer banks, I mean, in the entire top of that mall. And I walked down through the aisles, I'm looking at the screens, and they're buying and selling women. And so, you know, I asked a couple of questions. They didn't seem to, to, to bother or I didn't seem to matter that I was there looking. And they answered the questions I asked. And so, I mean, it was an entire mall. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of computer banks. And I went back downstairs. I said, you'll never guess what's up there. I said, you've got to go up and see. So he did. And then I noticed that over in the food court, the four girls that we had seen the night before in that bar where we got just a, I got a Coke. And the four girls that we saw, they were taking applications from girls for a job in Saudi Arabia, a job in somewhere in the Middle East, and they were all hoping they could possibly get a job. And I told our interpreter, I said, I said, do you have any friends that, that you know, signed up for that? And she goes, oh, she goes, one of my best friends. She goes, I only wish I could be, be one to get a job like that. And I said, when's the last time you talked to her? She said, well, she said, it's probably been about two and a half years. I said, yeah. I said, don't you think that she'd have called you? I said, maybe the blessing for you is that you never got a job, you know, placement, because it wouldn't have been anything like you would think it would be. But there were hundreds of computer banks they were buying and selling women right upstairs. And that's how the former, I assume former, the former um, government was, was providing finances for itself, selling women, some of them at very high amounts of money. And they were using that money to provide for the government. And it was such a, an odd place to be because when you walk down the street, one side of the street was Islamic, the other side of the street was, you know, Christian. It was... It was it was really odd to me. But, but, you know, 
the next day, we got on a uh, got on a plane, and we were let out the back door. And you know, it's so funny because they did stamp my uh, my visa or not my visa, my uh, passport. Yeah, passport on the way out the back door, but I didn't have anything that showed I I, I got in. It only showed I left. <laughs> you know. And as we walked out across there, we got on, on the walked up uh, steps onto the plane. There were a couple of guys standing there at the bottom. And, I mean, they had wide grins on their faces. And I looked at Joe and I said, really, is that the best our government can do? <laughs> I mean, you know, it scares me to think that those guys are probably, what, our protectors? I mean, I don't know. But we got on the plane and we sat down. And I said, I said, what you got, what you got in the bag? And he says, Oh, really, nothing. I said, it's okay. I know what you got in there. I said, but it's, it's not a big deal. I said, but why don't you show them to me? He goes, well, it's really nothing. I mean, nothing that would interest you. I said, look, you're not one of them, but you work for them. I said, so let me, let me see. So he reaches in the back, and he pulls out little alligators and, you know, every kind of reptile you could imagine. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I saw things this week that I have never seen in my life. He said, but... I do believe that the things I've done, I've done for my country and because I, I, I was supposed to. He said, so, I said, I'm not judging you. I said, it's not for me to judge. I said, but, he said, well, I, I mean, I'm just saying, he said, I've seen things that I have never seen. I mean, and you have to work for an agency. He said, I mean, you put your finger on the book, and that just happened to be the headquarters for the selling of women. He said, I mean, come on, you know. Is that possible? I said, well, all things with God are possible. I said, and, you know, and the thing about it is, is that, yes, you're right. I said, there were a lot of things that occurred this week that amazed me as much as they amazed you. I said, but, you know, you got to just trust and you got to follow. And, you know, and as we were leaving the, the hotel even, um, Sandy had told me before I left, she goes, when you get there, she goes, there's going to be a time when you're headed towards the hotel, but you're not really headed towards the hotel. But when we got there, we went to the hotel and got there, and I thought, hmm, that seemed, maybe she was just wrong on that one. But, but as we were leaving and everything had happened, and we were going to spend the night at the embassy that was, or at the hotel that was right where the embassy was, in line with submachine guns and you know, they call it the green zone there, just like they do in Iraq. And, you know, we're driving down the highway, and our interpreter is, is arguing with the driver. And I said, what are you arguing with him about? She goes, we're headed in the wrong direction. And I looked over at the speedometer, and it had 272,000 miles on it. So I knew that the man knew where he should be going. And all of a sudden, he takes a right turn up a hill, and just as we get to the top of the hill, there's a barrel there that's burning. And there are six guys around it, and they point their fingers at us, and they go, there, there, there they are, there are those guys. And I grabbed the, the, the driver by the throat, and he hit the brakes, and I got out, got them out, and we rushed across the medium, hailed the first car we could find, and they took us to the, um, to the U.S. Embassy and the, and the hotel. So, you know, sometimes you don't even know when, when my wife's, you know, psychic might kick in, but 
it was at the very last moment, and it was so very important, you know. But yet, I expected it at the first. You know, oh, let's see if they take us to the right hotel. Well, they did. But it was at the end. And so the guys that we hailed down took us to the right hotel, and then we left the next day. Again, what I'm trying to tell you is that, you know, if you do the little things, you know, I ask people all the time, are you, are you trusting in the Messiah for, for your path? Are you, are you on your spiritual path? And most everybody will say, well, yes, I'm on my spiritual path. I said, well, can you explain to me what that is? Well, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm moving forward. I mean, I pray and I ask, you know, to be shown which direction I should go or what I should do. I said, and so you move forward. Absolutely. I said, well, you're, you're headed the wrong way. Turn around. I said, you've got to go back. I said, because where we began and where we think it ends, it circles around and it takes us back to where we began. And so we have to be headed that way. If we're going forward, it's an illusion. It absolutely has no power, and it will get you nowhere. And they're doing a very good job of it. Don't, don't think they aren't. We know that. But, and you can see how quick things are changing. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. keep your eyes open. Use the Kadoish, 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 Adonai, Sabah, Yacht. Yes. Well, it was the most concerning time when Jim was over in Africa. You know, lots of prayers were sent his way. Believe me, I was glad to see he made it back safe. Well, we'd only down. been dating, what, a couple of months? Yeah, right. So, yeah. Well, I would like to share with you a channeling. And the Divine Holy Trinity and the angels of the highest peers of the light share messages with us, and we would like to share one with you. Dearly beloved ones, it is a great pleasure to be able to be here with you, to share with you. You are in a time of great expansion. The consciousness of all people are expanding. And the more that you can receive the light, the more that it will benefit you. For those who refuse to allow the light to be part of their lives, you will feel as though there is pressure all around you. We are meant to be one with all. We are meant to understand our purpose here on this planet and to reunite ourselves with the divine beings. In this expansion, you will find that there is great awareness of yourself. It may feel very disturbing at first because you're viewing yourself and possibly the life you have lived, the problems you have gone through, in the situations that maybe you didn't make the right choices. But this is not a time of judgment at all. It is a time of awareness to realize where the mistakes were and to allow yourself to be forgiven for these mistakes and to allow God to lift you to a new level and so you don't have to worry and hold guilt inside of you but instead feel free to be able to be a more enlightened being, to embrace and accept that there is a loving God that cares about you. This expansion, even though you'll be viewing internally 
the things of your past also allows you the great opportunities to embrace the gifts of your higher self, to understand that you are linking lifetimes together. You are bringing to you the many gifts of spirit into your life. And when you allow your energies to raise to a high enough level, you can, you can utilize these gifts and these blessings. We are all meant to have abilities to be able to be intuitive and connect with spirit and communicate with the divine beings of light, to have empathic abilities to know, communicate, even with nature. We are meant to do this. We lost the ability somewhere along the line, or we have lost belief and even the possibility of doing it. But now, we are raising an awareness to be able to embrace this area of our life. And when we do, you will find, we will find a unity with each other, with everyone. You will find that we are all divine beings of light, even though there are shadowy areas in our life. We all have a spark of the divine within us. Some people you have to search a little harder, but it's there. And when we can love one another as our own brothers and sisters, this whole planet will evolve. We will be in a space where it will be so wonderful. And the idea of is, is that when we come here, we are bringing heaven to earth. And while we are here, we are working to raise earth to heaven. We are the divine beings that are here to change this world, to make it a better place. And know within you, embrace that power, that strength that you have, and act upon it. And the more good that you do, the more good that will come to you. Everything comes in tenfold. Know that God loves you and that we are one. Blessings to you. Amen. You know, it's so interesting, too. I ask people, you know, what, if you could have it today, path you would want. I would like for the Christ to take up my life. And I tell them it's the opposite. It's not about the Christ coming in and taking up your life. It's about you taking up the life of Christ. As you do the things he did, as you begin to, to recognize yourself as him, then, then is when you will become one with the Christ Spirit. Absolutely. And what better time right now to let go of old patterns and habits? If we are in this type of energy of expansion and release of the old, then why not? Why not let go of what we don't need and embrace something that we want in our lives? It's so true. You know, I tell people all the time, if you get off or out of the bed in the morning on one side, tomorrow get out on the other side. You know, change the pattern. Little things like that cause the brain to stop for just a minute. Just, just It doesn't make sense. Or walk backwards to the bathroom in the morning instead of forwards because the brain will stop. And then you can rec- begin to recode it such that it won't, it won't still continue to follow the old patterns that no longer serve us. Absolutely. And one thing that Jimmy said to me today, it's that if you want to be loving 
and have more love in your life, then express more love to others, to what you have, for all that you have in your life. And more love will come to you. That's a universal law. I mean, it has to. Even if you don't feel like loving, you don't feel like being, you know, giving off or giving out love, do it anyway. Just do it. And as you continue to do it, you will become it. Right. And the, and the main thing is give praise and gratitude to all things. Because the more that you give praise and gratitude, it raises your vibrations to a higher level, a higher consciousness level. And when you're at that level, you attract likes, attract likes. So to giving praise and gratitude to all things, even when you see little things in nature or things that, that you appreciate, acknowledge it. It's important. And always know, using the Kadoish, 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 Adonai Sabayat, so important. Utilize it for manifestation, for healing, for drawing things, for appreciation. It is one of the most powerful things to use. We've been using it for 20 years. But again, if you'd like to have a reading of your own, call 304-567-3354 and make an appointment, and we will be more than glad to be able to do a personal reading. We've done over 10,000 personal readings, and we'd be more than glad. We have options. You can discuss anything that you want, health, relationships, soul purpose, past life, earth changes, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk about. And no one has ever asked for a refund. We just want to say how grateful we are for all that are listening to this radio show. And we want you to know that may God bless you. And may you know that, that we are here and we will be back biweekly to bring more messages for you. Thank you. God bless.